Petco Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies all of Padre gang. Yeah, they and good day everybody welcome to episode 182 of the talking friars podcast and youtube show i am your host ben fadden here with a special guest today pitched on that famous 98 padres team and his nephew now is in the big leagues and that is aaron or excuse me aaron is the nephew that is andy <laughs> thank you so much for joining the show you know what ben thanks for having me it's uh it's always good to talk to you no problem. Um, all right. Before we get started here, just get this out of the way. This episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries located in Mission Gorge uh, and Point Loma, as well as Petco Park during the season. You can visit gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu, their addresses, and their phone numbers. All right. Getting started here with Andy. We, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, I'm sure that you guys probably all don't know, uh, we met at Petco Park uh, before Aaron was making that start against the Padres. And my question here first to Andy is when Aaron was making that start, you obviously were on the Padres side. So were you totally on Milwaukee's side that day? Or were once Aaron left the game, you were like, oh, I'm fine with the Padres here. Yeah, I was kind of 95% on Aaron's side until he went out of the game. <laughs> I switched back to the Padres. I don't know if that's uh, good to do, but you know, you always want your family member to do well, and he pitched really good. Um, I think he was a little nervous just from everything going on. I think, well, like he said, I think I was more nervous than what he was, but um, he pitched really well. He loved the stadium, loved the people in San Diego, so I'm glad it turned out the way it did. And yeah, because you talk about how well he pitched. This year, I think he's gone 11 and two-thirds innings against the Padres and has struck out 14 guys uh, so far, or this season in the season series so yeah i'd say that's pretty good uh yeah you know what yeah if he just you know he's still learning he's a young kid but i think if he just trusts you know gets more comfortable in the surroundings of being in the big leagues and trusting what he's doing um i think the sky's the limit for him he's he's uh improved a lot since last year what do you tell him like is it kind of just advice of just kind of be under control don't maybe just don't look into the crowd or whatever, just focus, make sure to stay focused. Like what do you tell him or other Padres pitchers who are young like that? You know, I just kind of let him, let him come to me. If he has a question, I'll talk to him about it. But I think as a young picture pitcher, you have so much stuff that goes on in your mind. You want to go out and do, you know, the right thing to help your club win. But if he asks me, I'll tell him. Um, I think the main thing for any young pitcher like Aaron is going out and trusting your stuff and believing that, you know, you belong in the big leagues and you can pitch here and get people out and help your team win. So I, uh, I totally think he's getting to that point. I think each time he goes out, he gets better. Um, I know it's not always going to be great every time you go out there, which we all know that, but I think the games where you scuff a little bit, you learn more than, you know, it's when it's time to go out there and you kind of breeze through six innings, you know, cause the hard innings are the ones you learn stuff because you want to stay away from that feeling of, of the hard innings. So uh, he's getting it. I, I get excited every time I get to see him play, and um, it's a really cool deal. Yeah. 
And before the game uh, that day, I saw you give a big old bear hug to Tony Gwynn Jr. He, uh, <laughs> so obviously you were to- teammates with Tony. Was he in the clubhouse all the time? And do you have any stories of- about Tony Jr.? You know what? He was in the clubhouse. And I just want to say this to the Gwynn family. Tony is greatly missed here in San Diego. I know they miss him, but um, what a class act his boy is. Um, Anthony was in the clubhouse a lot. Me and Tony and Anthony would go fishing when we go to Houston and get Anthony up about 4.30 in the morning, which he didn't like that. But when we started catching fish, he loved it. But no, it was uh, watch. It was fun watching him grow up and what he became. And what, I mean, he's doing a great job with the broadcasting and everything. But what an honor to uh, still be part around the, you know, friends with the family, even though Tony is gone. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this year's Padres team obviously there are now 62 games through the season 100 more to go 100 plus more hopefully to go do you think that this team has what it takes to get to the World Series for the first time since you guys did it I definitely do I think they I think it's a I think the chemistry is a lot like we had in 1998 we had veteran guys with some young guys that are just you know getting to the point to try and establish themselves in the big leagues but when you have guys like Manny Machado and um, Hosmer and all the, the veteran guys, um, it, it helps so much for the young guys if they scuffle a little bit, knowing that these guys are, hey, it's normal. It happens. And now with Tatis being out, they've had some injuries with COVID deal going on right now, but mm-hmm. I totally see them being there at the end. And I think, uh, I think they're only going to get better as they go because I think the injuries, what they have or whatever's going on, they're going to get stronger after the All-Star break. I think, uh, I mean, I love to watch them play. The energy, Manny's having a great year. That's huge. He's the captain. So I think people are just saying, hey, watch how, watch how he plays the game. We're going to go out and play the game like that. Mm-hmm. And obviously with the manager change uh, going to Bob Melvin, I wanted to ask, <laughs> like, do you have any similarities kind of that you've seen between him and like Bruce Bochy? I know that you haven't, you're not in the clubhouse with Bo Mel, um, but Anything just during game or anything like that that you feel like might be the same with them? I think the way what I see is he's a player manager like Bochi was. I think, you know, he's under control. He manages the bullpen good. And I think guy, well, I know guys respect him for what he's, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. And I think just the maturity, um, the um, experience that Bob has as a manager and to control 25 different personalities. I think he's doing a great job because that's one thing Boach was unbelievable with is controlling, you know, one guy's mad the next day, this guy's mad the next day, or, you know, by whatever it may be, you know, you got to control 25 guys. But um, I think being a veteran manager, you learn how to do that. And I think he's doing a wonderful job with it. Yeah. And with him managing this team, this team's a little unique to me because of how much starting that they have uh they have their seven starters deep you know um and with these seven starters you're allowed to give you know joe musgrove and you darvish five days of rest instead of four and i think that's huge long term musgrove's already talked about that this season um and my question to you is with like how this game has evolved right you don't really see starting pitchers going as long as they used to what are your thoughts on that? I know this team is a little bit different, you know, with that because they do have that extra day of rest. And just historically, these guys do go deeper into games. Just what are your thoughts on how the 
starting pitching has evolved? I think it's it's definitely different than when I played. I mean, but I think like Darvish and Musgrove and them, they're going six, seven, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get to that eighth inning, which is huge, especially getting that other day. Um, and there's going to be days where they're going to go four or five innings. But I think that's the way the game is right now. You know, your starter's going to go four or five. You're going to bring the long guy in, then you're going to get to your closer. So, um, you know what? That's kind of the way the game has turned around a little bit for me. You know, as, as a pitcher, when Brownie and I and Joey and Hitchcock, we wanted to go nine. Mm-hmm. You know, if we didn't go nine, it was like, what the heck's going on? But we wanted to get it to Hoffie. So, um, it has changed, but I think it's for the better. You're saving arms. You're saving bullets. And, you know, the Padres are in a good spot having seven starters. I mean, you can throw guys out there. You know, if you had to bring a guy back on four days rest, you still have that opportunity. So um, I definitely think they're in a good spot. Yeah, and last night was kind of like a throwback game, right? You had Darvish go eight innings, and you throw it right to Taylor Rogers. I mean, that that's like a dream scenario, especially when you don't have Bowmel managing. I know there's a ton of managers there in that dugout, former managers, but with Ryan Flaherty now as the interim, I mean, that's like a dream scenario right there. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty easy to manage. Okay, well, you went eight. That's great. Thank you very much. But we're going <laughs> to bring somebody else for the ninth. But, yeah, you would love to have that every game, but um, it's just not that easy, but it's nice when it happens. Exactly. Um, all right. But Joe Musgrove, he is definitely headed to the All-Star game in L.A. this year. He is the ace of the staff. I think he's become one of the leaders of the team along with Manny. Um, I don't know if you saw, but he bought like basketball jerseys, custom basketball jerseys for the whole rotation recently, and they've been wearing those. I mean, my question isn't really about just Musgrove as the person and the leader, but in like an extension, obviously coming up, those talks, and there's always been all these rumors and all that, as the former pitcher, if you were Joe Musgrove, what would your approach be and what conversations would you think that you would have with your agent in, in these talks? Like, are you someone that didn't want to, wouldn't want to be involved in it and kind of being like Joe and saying, hey, uh, the agent will come to me and if I like the offer, I'll talk about it with him? Uh, just what would your approach be? You know, first of all, I got to meet Joe the other day. I did picture day at the stadium on Sunday, which was okay. awesome. The fans in San Diego, I love to death. But I'm going went to up that to Joe. on uh, the late uh, the Phillies game, the next photo day that they have. Yeah, yeah, they have one another another one like two weeks yeah. or something. They were saying, but um, getting back to Joe, he uh, super great kid, unbelievable talent, and I think the main thing for Joe and I, I would kind of take the same approach. You know, hey. I'm going to go out and pitch everything else. Everything for that kid is going to take care of itself, whether it be this year, whether it's going to be next year or what. Um, I think the main thing for Joe is continue to just handle it the way he's been doing it. I mean, he's not, he doesn't want that distraction. I know it's still in the back of your mind. You want to sign, you know, extension and be done with it. But I think he is so focused on doing the right thing for the team. He doesn't want that to be a distraction. So that's why you have an agent. When they're ready to talk, they'll talk. So uh, kudos to Joe for let, let, not letting it be a, you know, a distraction. Mm-hmm. If you were to put your like Peter Seidler hat on or AJ Preller hat on, like how much money would you be willing to give? Oh this- my! Gosh, I, <laughs> they've already spent six hundred million dollars. Uh-huh. So no, seven hundred and some. But you know what? I I think the sky's the limit. I mean, he's gonna make. I mean. I would think $20 million a year is not out of the question. I oh, mean, definitely. 
you know, at 25 million. I mean, what it, and I, and he knows that I think all he has, the more he goes out and does well, it's just going to make the price go up. So it that's is what it, what feels it is. Like, <laughs> that, that's what it feels like at every single start after every start. It's kind of like, okay, his price tag just went up a little bit, a little bit more. And he knows Next that. Shut out a little bit more. Yeah. Eight shut out innings a little bit more or no hitter into the eighth a little bit more. It yeah. just feels like every single time out. And yeah, you talk about the 20 million. That's definitely going to happen, especially yeah. if it reaches to free agency. We see how much money like Garrett Cole's made and all that. And he's Musgrove right now is easily the number one free agent starter next offseason. So oh, no it, doubt. Just make, it just makes it really, really important for the Padres to get that extension done um, before he obviously reaches free agency. Yeah, um, I don't know if they want to get it to that point. <laughs> They exactly. Want to get it. They might want to don't get want it to risk that. sooner yeah. than later. <laughs> I've been saying this, like the, with Joe, because of how you know beloved he is in San Diego, how much he loves San Diego himself. I feel like maybe like the Giants and the Dodgers might be two teams, regardless of how much money they offer him, he'll say no. But everyone else, you don't really know. So that's you know twenty what twenty six, twenty seven other teams, uh, or yeah, I think so. That would be in the bidding for him. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I it's de- that- I, I'm sorry, but I would definitely think he, would, he he's going to do everything he can to come back to San Diego. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Um, all right. Tough. Let's get to – I want to talk about the 98 All-Star game real quick. If you have any, like, cool moments or anything you remember because of how stacked – I was looking the other day at, of all the names in that All-Star game. I obviously wasn't alive, but my parents were. And I mean, just down the line, I mean, Barry Bonds and obviously uh, Glavin and Maddox and Chipper, just so many names. That's just the start of it. What was like your big takeaway from that game? You know what? First of all, just making it that year because we had five from that team go. And uh, to be there with five teammates, um, it was special. And then to walk in the clubhouse, I remember Hoppy and I went, I don't know, like seven hours earlier to sign the stuff and just sit in the clubhouse and take it all in. But um, what a special time to get around the, you know, some of the best players in the game are there and to sit around and have the opportunity to talk to them as the game's going on or, you know, during the home run derby and stuff like Mark McGuire. And then he was in San Diego as a coach. Um, all those guys are awesome. Barry Bonds. I mean, they, there's so much respect that I have for all these guys. And to have, have the opportunity to go to the All-Star game and be a part of that with them, something I'll never forget. And you mentioned Hoffy and all that. Like, that experience leading up to so that day of the game, like, what do you remember? Because obviously I know players, they sign a lot of stuff and all that, but there's so much probably going into that day it has to be a whirlwind for you guys, huh? You know what? It is crazy because you're trying to make sure your family's taken care of. They're mm-hmm. at the stadium. You you get, you get there early. You want to make sure they get in the, in the park because it's nuts. I mean, there's people everywhere. But, um, you know, you kind of go there, go out on the field. And what was funny, that was the – Boach was like, I don't know if you're going to make – he said, you need to make the all-star team. He said, but I just pitched like two days prior to mm-hmm. that, and that's when I threw that 75-pitch game. And – I was like, I can pitch in two days if I make the all-star team. So I walk into Colorado um, and 
Larry Walker sitting in the recliner and I walk in Gil to my locker and he's like, Oh, is your arm sore? <laughs> Cause I only threw <laughs> 75 pitches against him. I said, I said, no, it's not sore. He's like, that was unbelievable. But looking back on stuff like that and the, th- the conversations and opportunities that you had during the all-star game and leading up to that and watching the game and watching how the, the home run derby cracked me up. Cause these guys are hitting absolute bombs. So it was a great experience and something, like I said, I'll, I'll never forget it. It was really cool. Now, later in 98, obviously made the World Series. That didn't go as planned. But can you take the audience through what it is like to be pitching in the World Series, the Fall Classic, against none other than the New York Yankees, you know, Jeter, all of those guys. Just what was that like for you? Incredible. I remember when we got there, we had a workout a couple a day before the first game, number one. So we're on, you know, Yankee Stadium. I mean, it's history that's there is incredible. So to be on that field now, you work so hard to get to the, you know, the playoffs. Then you go to the NLCS. Now you win and you're going to the uh, World Series and you step on that field with, you know, 25 guys that you made a, you know, you made had a dream in spring training, like Bochy said, we're going to win this year. We're going to win, and we're going to go to the World Series. And to do that and have that confidence throughout the season and then look back on it and you're standing in Yankee Stadium with the World Series patch on your arm, it's pretty special. So um, to start game two, you know, we should have – We I think we ran into a little uh, bad luck in game one. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows what happened with the 3-2 pitch. But uh, – <laughs> And then I went out, went out and started game two, and I'm just, I, it was awesome. I wish I would have pitched better, of course. I wish, you know, we all would have played better. But you know what? We were there. Um, we had a heck of a year. We just ran into a pretty good Yankee team. They were really good. But uh, to have that goal in spring training and then succeed to it, I know we didn't win a championship, world championship, but we did win a National League championship, with, which um, to be a part of that was awesome. Or it doesn't have to be the World Series, I guess, because you're able to get through the Braves. But like nervousness level, we could talk about the World Series. Like before that start, on a scale of one to ten, was it at like an eleven? Yeah, yeah, because you want to do. It's just, I mean, it's the World Series. You only have a few shots at this. This is the first time that I've ever pitched in a World Series game, and you want to do well, especially being down one. You want to come out, and, you know, hey. Let's make it 1-1 going into the third game. So um, it's intense. I mean, the the fans in New York, they know baseball. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they definitely would uh, say some very nice things to you when you're warming up in the bullpen. But uh, (laughs) it was was definitely an experience like most of the experience I had throughout playing for 14 years and meeting the guys and doing the things I was able to do. I I thank God every day because it's pretty special. Is there some type of uh, message that you remember a Yankee fan or someone, some fan during your career saying to you that maybe you, maybe you, that made you laugh a little bit, maybe while you're warming up? <laughs> I don't know if I laughed about it too much, but um, I don't know if I could say it on the radio. But now I remember one guy in uh, New York, I was going out to the bullpen and he's like, he, he made it sound like, hey, is Brownie's. Uh, golf bag getting heavy. You're riding his back all year or something like that. I'm like, really? 
I won 17 games already. I said, he won 18. I said, I'm not really riding his back. I said, I love the guy to death. I said, but he's the ace. That's what we're supposed to do. So mm. and then a other few choice words that the guy said, but it's part of the game. Just got to blow it off. Mm. Now you talk about Brownie and then Hoffy. What did you, did you, or if you did, did you take anything from their routines, their preparation uh, with you and kind of implement that? Because I haven't heard a whole lot from Kevin Brown's uh, routine and all that, but Hoffy, you know, it, it's definitely been well uh, chronicled. Oh, yeah. Hoffy was a different – he he had his own, which was awesome, because I would I would kind of sneak up in the clubhouse just watching him dry his foot with a sock and do everything that he would do every – whether he knew he wasn't going to pitch or not, because you never know, he would do the same thing every game. And it was so – regimented and i'm like that that's awesome so i tried to fix you know find something that worked for me mm-hmm. and plus watching brownie pitch the day before i pitched we were kind of like brownie threw harder than i did and we were both sinker ballers so with brownie he was just a you know you're not going to talk to him on game day i mean it was just like let me do my thing and i'm going to go out and give up one or two hits and we're going to win so um i more watched brownie pitch and he would talk to me about things like during the game because I wouldn't bring it up, but he would ask me questions like what happened was ball up down the middle or whatever. And I go to check and you know, that stuff means a lot because I'm facing the same people probably the next day. So then the next day we would go over and I was like, what do you think? He's like, no, you can get him out down and in. So in that way, Brownie helped out tremendous as other pitchers did. But yeah, the routine that Brownie had was, um, I think it was just a routine that he had when he got between the lines was awesome because he was so intense. But no, Hoffy was Hoffy's a special, not only player but a special individual. Great dad, and uh, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. And we talked about we'll go to one of your other teammates, Tony. Obviously, we touched on him a little bit earlier. I had Kurt Bavaco on a couple months back, and his favorite Tony story involved him watching video when they're on the road and the hotel had the door open and he was always watching video. What, what would be your favorite Tony story? I'm sure there's obviously been a lot of them. Oh gosh. I, I, the video was awesome because Alicia, he, she would watch the video on the plane with him and kind of critique what he's doing. I'm like, holy cow. She's probably watched more video than he does. But um, I just think the way they, they would take their craft and be like so different than everybody else. That's what made them so good. But I just think just watching Tony, the smile every day when he come to the ballpark and late in his career, not feeling great, but we go out and get it done. Um, great teammate. Unbelievable. I, I just think all around just watching the way he, I would just go down the cage and watch him take batting practice and he would hit 500 baseballs in the same spot. And, and it was just, Incredible to watch how he worked the bat. So all around, Tony Gwynn, big fan. So he was a special player. Um, you were on the mound when Ken Caminetti made the throw. That, it, it still is a crazy play. It's played pregame at Petco on the Jumbotron. Do you still kind of like laugh whenever you think about that play, whenever it's brought up? Yeah, it's incredible. I was like, how in the world do you do that? 
And he was like, oh, no big deal. You know, okay. He, he knew it was a great play, but Cammy's not going to say that. Cammy's mm -hmm. Cammy. But, yeah, that uh, the defense that we have is pretty darn good. So uh, that was one of the best plays I've ever been a part of. Do you get – I mean, because Manny's obviously an amazing, I think the best defensive third baseman in the league right now. Um, Nolan, obviously, he's talented. I, I just think Manny's better. He just makes things look so much easier. Um, with Caminetti and then Manny, what comparisons do you see there? And if you had to judge, who would you say is is a better who was better defensively? Was it uh, Manny or Cammy? Well, I think there are two different types of players. Cammy was more of a a great, you know, Manny makes stuff look so easy. Not right. that Cammy didn't, but Cammy was aggressive, like you know, throw the ball across the field 100 miles an hour. And, you know, that's why he was hurt all the time diving and, you know, doing it. Not that Manny doesn't. Manny's a great third baseman. I love I love watching him play. But and then Cammy being a switch hitter made him a little different in the lineup because he could do whatever. But, I mean, to compare, I, I haven't had – Cammy played behind me for a long mm -hmm. time. So I, I got to see what Cammy did. But Manny, I watch on TV, which I love. So it's hard to compare, but um, I got to say, Cammy's my man, but I love Machado. So, <laughs> all right. Cammy was fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I mean, my parents talked about him a lot. Um, last one here. If you could had to pick one guy, who was your favorite Padres teammate? Oh, gosh. That's really hard. I don't know if I could do that. I someone's mean, I, gonna get, someone's going to get mad at you, but. <laughs> you know what? The whole team was my favorite team, my favorite friend. No, you know what? Kevin Brown and I were close, but Hoffy and I, Hoffy and I were really close. I mean, it's hard to say because we all, we all hung out together. Mm -hmm. um, Hitchcock, another, I mean, the, the whole team, we all just got along, but um how about if I just say Bochi was my best friend? How about that? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so no teammates will get mad at you. Okay. Yeah. I'll just okay. have Dave. I'll just have Dave Stewart mad at me because I didn't say him. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but no, you know what? I just, I do want to say this. So throughout my years here in San Diego, there were a lot of ups and downs, but um, to be a part of something that was built from, you know, when the first time I got here, you could see it going and Larry Lakino and John Moore's got this whole team together throughout, you know, three, two and a half, three years. And to get to that point and go to the World Series and to be able to play with the players that I had the opportunity to play with, something I'll never forget. And uh, I just want to say thank you to San Diego. The Padre fans are the best. So uh, special time, special year. And uh San Diego should get ready for another one because this team's going to be able to do it. Amen. All right. This has been episode 182 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show, Ben Fadden with Andy Ashby. Andy, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Ben, thank you for having me. You take care. Have a great day.